1: And there we go. NBA Strategy Show, Wednesday, September 2nd. Two Gamer. Uh, game two, Bucks and Heat. Game seven, Rockets Thunder. And in about an hour, David Blaine floating around holding on to balloons, which is, I don't know, fantastic. Well, I'll be sweating that one. I'm sure he will be too. But we're not going to be talking about David Blaine floating around in balloons. We're going to be talking basketball. I'm Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Greg Ehrenberg. Greg. How's it going, man?
2: Yeah, I think that's a lie that we're not going to talk about David Blaine and floating balloons because uh, that's all we talked about in the 10-minute lead-up to the show. So it, it might bleed in. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think that he's going to be in the air by the time we finish this show. So I'm not going to have any new developments. But uh, starting at 1030 or whenever that actually happens, I am for sure going to watch David Blaine float on the off chance that he floats no longer. <laughs> that's horrible. I feel like such a bad person, but it's so true. It's so true. Uh, it's so true.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we're, were talking about this before. When, you, when you're watching stunts and these magic tricks, you're not watching to see it go well, right? You're watching on the off chance that something not it to Even Even I wonder, like, I don't like NASCAR. I, I assume that, you know, DFS, a lot of people like and watch NASCAR. How many people watch NASCAR and are like, I hope this race goes off well with no cars hitting into each other?
1: Unfortunately, it's probably, like, a lot. No, like, I don't buy I know why. I know why I would watch it. Yeah, I'm saying now people,
2: people are watching NASCAR open cars flip over and it's not the guys in their DFS lineups. That's
1: probably true. Oh, man. How did
2: basketball go for you yesterday?
1: Um,
2: yesterday was uh, – so so for DFS, like, not so great. For For regular basketball, I had bet the Nuggets when they were down in the series to win a plus 270. They ended up winning. And then I kind of have a similar situation tonight where I have the Thunder uh, plus 490 because I bet them when they were down in the series to the Rockets. And now I'm, I've kind of been thinking all day, like, do I want to hedge it all? Do I just want to let it ride? And I'm still unsure.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, fantastic line to have in game seven. You're getting them uh, a very different money line, so to speak. So kudos there. And obviously, the uh, Mike Conley's shot was probably quite the sweat for you. All that but ball was in the air. If, if you saw the the
2: replay, if that got reviewed, I think it would have gotten overturned anyway. Because when Gobert got the rebound to set up the fast break, he was standing out of bounds. So, th- yeah. I, that, there, I don't think there was any point in time where the Jazz actually would have ended up winning that game because I think it would have gotten reviewed and then overturned.
1: Interesting. I, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I didn't make it to uh, the end of the game. It bored the hell out of me for three quarters. So that I went to bed at the end of the, or at the beginning of the fourth, like a chump, which, you know, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. Go, Jokic. Goodbye, Jazz. <laughs> Go, Nuggets. You have zero chance in the next series. Best of luck to you and your future endeavors. Uh, shout out to Yahoo Sports for being the presenting sponsor of the uh, NBA strategy show moving forward. Uh, El Negro Loco says, oh, shit, Josh got a haircut. Josh didn't get a haircut. Josh showered before the show. I'll, I'll um, tell you who didn't get a haircut. Greg did not get a haircut. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure.
2: That is yeah. on the to-do list for today, though.
1: Is it really? Yeah, it's not on my to-do list. <laughs> it should be. If I could get... Uh, the lovely lady that cuts my hair to come here to cut my hair, I would probably do it. But otherwise I might, I'm going to let it grow until it touches the ground. That's not true. That would be ridiculous. I'm not going to be like that guy that grows his fingernails out to like 12 feet. Yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't
2: get the, the that. that's the, like that has to be some sort of OCD thing where yeah. like you see it in like the Guinness book of world records. Like, Oh, this guy has uh 16 inch fingernails. It's
1: like, true. why? It's like six feet of fingernails. I remember they had him on uh, Jackass, and you know, it was just like he had to, like, unfurl it, and then they poured beer down it, and Steve-O drank it. <laughs> uh, so, I,
2: I actually I slacked you the, the photo of Rudy Gobert very clearly Ooh. standing out of bounds. So, it Here like, there, there, was, there was no doubt that he was out of bounds when he got that rebound.
1: Yeah. Huh. So no there's... one's going to see. Do you think they review that? Because someone have, has to see it for them so to. Review. I would
2: assume so because apparently the uh, the Nuggets players were yelling when he caught the rebound that he was standing okay. out of bounds, and okay. uh, apparently I think that was part of the reason Conley was open. Also, is because there was because there was guys standing there pointing at Gobert that didn't go back on defense. So I, I assume so, but who knows? I don't know exactly how those reviews work at the end of the game. If that's if that's something that would have been able to be looked at, but I, I would I would think so.
1: I would think it would. You're just going to need someone to prompt it because otherwise it's not like, oh, we're going to go back 9 seconds just to make sure he was in bounds on the rebound, which is normally the case. That would have been pretty wild, especially if they didn't review it and it did go in. So or
2: or just the the idea of the Jazz like going nuts celebrating on the court and then they go and then they go to look at it and like uh Nuggets ball under the basket with 3 seconds left.
1: Imagine if it was in an arena with fans.
2: Oh, that would, that would also be crazy.
1: It would be like the Philly Boston game, letting off uh confetti and fireworks and stuff. And it's not actually over. Well, at least the jazz definitely got a better look than the Raptors got at the end of their game. That was,
2: that was one of the most mismanaged end of game situations I could, I could ever remember. Let's
1: have this conversation. Are you team? They should have taken a timeout. I, to the point where I thought they maybe didn't realize that they had a timeout. I'm vehemently against
2: the timeout in that scenario. So if there's, here's why I'm for it. If if there's 10 seconds left in the game where you think you'd catch the other team off guard and push the ball up the court and get a decent look, fine. But I think there was only, if I remember correctly, like four and a half seconds left or something like that. Yeah. And so they had to push the ball up the court and like Van Vliet just didn't get a good look. Like he had to take a deep three that was somewhat contested. I think you have a better chance there if you can call a timeout and set up some kind of play.
1: See, here's what I, I disagree. Uh, one, the Raptors are fantastic in transition and a, uh, an experience-laden team, a, a team that I would trust in that sort of situation at the very least. But the even bigger piece of this is that they're down three, which means if you take a timeout and have an inbounds play, the other team knows that they don't have to stand inside the three-point line to defend you. They'll happily give you a layup. there is no like there's no benefit you're just simply removing a huge swath of the court that is irrelevant at that point if you're putting five guys around the ring of the three-point line it's gonna be very hard to get a shot that's not from 35 feet but that's what they got anyway it was a shot from 35 feet
2: so i I don't know if there's a couple seconds left on the clock i'm fine with it uh but it it more to, to do with the Raptors it felt like they were going to win that game the entire time. They were up like I think it was 8, maybe 78-70 going into the fourth quarter or something like that. And they are comfortably ahead and they just kind of collapsed as the as the Celtics got back into the game. Like the the shot selection was really poor. They just kind of seemed like out of sorts and it was hard to really make sense. Pascal Siakam was incredibly terrible. And it, I don't know, it just it just felt that entire end of the game was just miscoached by the Raptors. It felt like the players it didn't seem like they were the team that won the championship last year. It kind of sent, it kind of felt like the Celtics were the, the older experienced team and the Raptors felt like the younger team just kind of fell apart under the moment. I don't know. It, it was a weird game. I didn't really know what to make of it, but it, it felt like it could have been handled better the entire situation.
1: It, it's also interesting. No one's ever going to talk about it again because the Celtics won, but that Jason Tatum technical almost loomed large. Yeah, for the sure. End. Yeah, for sure.
2: Which I, I get it, smart. but I,
1: I hate it. Marcus Smart flopping
2: all over the place.
1: He was uh, again. It's not going to end. It's not going to end up mattering because they won the game. But that play to almost save that ball uh, with like thirty seconds to go was just pinnacle Marcus Smart type stuff.
2: Yeah, with the, as, like the as, wherewithal to do it. As was him running full speed up the court to run into Pascal Siakam and. Yeah, draw a, a foul for a split second that got overturned on one of the most egregious swaps I've ever seen
1: <laughs> it wasn't great it wasn't great all right guys here's the deal you're coming in now 225 people 41 likes hit that thumbs up uh, we're about to get started gonna break down bucks and heat first and we'll transition to rockets thunder so the thumbs up is huge for us let's get that number over a hundred and then uh, I'll bludgeon you with requests at the midway point Greg you ready to do this let's do it First game up, Bucks Heat line is five. You can see that line at Odds Shopper if you want to. Awesomeo.com. At the top, you'll see a bar. Click on Odds Shopper. I'm looking at it. It's five, clear across the board. Um, not a lot of wiggle room in playoff lines. Uh, you'll see Oklahoma City and Houston going to be five and a half. Total on the Heat Bucks game right now. You can get 220 and a half in some places, 221. So you want to make sure you're shopping around. Easiest place to do that is going to be through Odds Shopper. Go check that out. osmocom Click the link at the top. And now let's start with Milwaukee. And we're obviously going to start with uh, the biggest piece of this game. Is Eric Bledsoe going to play? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure.
2: I, I kind of tend to lean towards more likely to sit than play yeah. uh, just because. Last game, it kind of felt like a similar situation where it was a game-time decision and then just never really got going and then was ruled out shortly before the game. Uh, The good thing here, though, is that it's the first game of the slate. So at least we're not going to be in a situation where we're waiting around you know, for the last game to to get the news and alters all of the lineups. Uh, If he's out, I expect George Hill to start again. Uh, If that's the case, George Hill, I'm kind of interested to see what the ownership is because George Hill was popular last slate but not as popular as I would have expected for the situation and he didn't play well except there's a lot of promising signs right I mean his price in movie move still really cheap he played 36 minutes and if you get 36 minutes out of George Hill out of that price tag like he's gonna pay it off more often than not and he just was so terrible last game I think a lot of people are just gonna look at George Hill and be like hey he sucked last game he's not a good value play so I think the ownership is probably gonna be pretty substantial on him with Bledsoe's out but not as high as it should be if that makes sense
1: so we have him at twenty eight percent on FanDuel, twenty on DraftKings, which is an assumption that's clearly you know discounted from Eric Bledsoe. There's just if George Hill is twenty percent owned on DraftKings, I'll have hundred percent of him. There's no way around it. Assuming Eric Bledsoe is out, um, that number has to come up. I don't think that I don't think it's possible for anyone else to be a better play than George Hill today if Eric Bledsoe is out. There's no, just, th- there's no, there's no, there's nobody else that's going to get that kind of minutes at this kind of salary honestly yeah so so there's two factors
2: there number one is just I mean it's a two-game slate it's the playoffs there's no resting for the most part there's no injuries everybody's playing so we don't have we don't have that for value and the other thing too is that there's James Harden and Giannis on the slate so yeah. there's guys we want to pay up for and there's just no way to really make it feasible right now because there's there's just no value but then all of a sudden if George Hill becomes viable then it's just such an obvious play that you kind of get pushed into just because of the the other guys that are that are viable so i think even if george hill is like 40 50 percent owned i still want to be overweight to him yeah. just because i kind of think you have to be there are there are some viable pivots though i mean one guy that i'd be looking at is pat Connaughton played 25 minutes last game i think that yeah. he would be a decent value play and it's somebody who we have to look at the situation if george hill doesn't play the same 36 minutes like what what's the difference and to me, I think it's maybe more minutes with Giannis handling the ball and Pat Connaughton on the court a little more. Yep. Uh, maybe Divincenzo, except he just didn't really play enough last game for me to trust it.
1: So yeah, what, it, what's what, what is the deal there. with him in general right now? It's like they got to the playoffs and Coach Bud was like, "Nope, not you." <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird, especially
2: because uh, I think it was you I was talking with this about last week. Is during this down the stretch of the season, yeah, it was when we were talking about the potential blowout risk for one of the Magic games. It's down the stretch of the season when they were when they were resting core guys. Like Divincenzo was one of the players resting. Like yeah. he was one of the guys who was like, "Hey, we're resting Eric Bledsoe, we're resting Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brook Lopez, and and Dante Divincenzo." Right. So, so just from that logic, you look at it and just be like, "Well, he has to be a, a core part of the playoff rotation, then." Like, why else would they rest him? And then you kind of look back and it's like, yeah, I have no clue why the rest of them because uh, they weren't playing him in the regular season down the stretch and they're not really playing him in the playoffs now either. So I had a decent amount of exposure to DiVincenzo the other day and when the ownership Same. came out and he was like, I don't, he was like 2% owned on <laughs> FanDuel and then like really long drafting. So I was like, what what a leverage play. I was so excited. And then he, yeah. he came in the game in the first quarter and got like two rebounds and assists really quick. I was like, oh, this is, this is a difference maker tonight. And then, uh, and then he didn't do anything the rest of the game. I was like, well, that, that sucks.
1: Yeah, uh, I was talking to Adam, shit my money uh, about it. Cause I was like, do you have DiVincenzo? He's like, yeah, in, you know, whatever lineups that he had. and I knew I had a lot. And uh, then Frank Mason comes in for his minute and a half. And I was just like, <laughs> he's coming in first. Like, what is happening here? I didn't think that there was even a possible scenario that that was going to happen. And then uh, it was just not great, not great yeah. at all. So, DiVincenzo in his last six games, 13 minutes, 11 minutes, 19, 12, 12, and 14. I just, like, I got that one wrong. Uh, I was very, very surprised to see it. But I like the the Pat Connaughton call. Uh, I have him fourth on DraftKings right now relative to salary. Um, That's just a place I want to go if Eric Bledsoe is out. We have him at 4% owned on FanDuel, 15% owned on DraftKings. I will have, like, infinite amounts of Hill and Connaughton if Bledsoe happens to be out I and I don't expect Connaughton to get like a crazy amount of ownership if that happens either I mean no like not nearly as much as Hill yeah yeah for sure not and then the other thing too
2: is you know just because I think especially this part of season so many people are just box score watching where they just look at last game they're they're kind of overlooked that played 25 minutes and they'll just see like oh he didn't really score very many fantasy points and it's not to say that I expect like 30 fantasy points or something like that from Connaughton. It's just like I said before, there there are guys to pay up for. There's a lack of value. And with Connaughton playing 25 minutes, if Eric Bledsoe's out again, like it's not hard to see a situation where he steps into, you know, 20 fantasy points and just becomes a top value based on just a lack of other options on the slate.
1: Yeah. They are, they are without question, my two favorite options coming out of Milwaukee and they are two options that allow you to get uh, someone slightly more expensive on DK. That would be Giannis Antetokounmpo, eleven five on FanDuel, eleven four on DraftKings. Uh, I mean, the, the first place we have to start is: Do you prefer Giannis or Harden? Separated by two hundred dollars, the only true payoff options on the slate. So I prefer Giannis. He's
2: the better fantasy producer than Harden uh, per minute. And then the other thing, too, is that you know Russell Westbrook is back doing whatever the hell it is that Russell Westbrook does, which uh, takes shots away from James Harden, which we definitely saw down the stretch of of Game 6, is if Russell Westbrook's on the court and he's going to shoot, he does not care that he's playing with James Harden, and that's going to mean slightly lesser usage for Harden. It doesn't mean that Harden isn't going to play a bunch of minutes and take a ton of shots, but there's just a little less production from there with Westbrook on the court, which not only does Giannis not have to deal with, Giannis gets a pretty sizable usage bump when Eric Bledsoe's off the court, if that happens to be the case. So I I prefer Giannis. And then um, I'm kind of curious. I I didn't get to look at the ownership this morning when I checked. It wasn't up yet. Do we have Giannis or Harden projected from from our ownership?
1: We have Giannis at 47, James Harden at 38. I would expect both of those numbers to likely go up if Eric Bledsoe gets ruled out because we'll start to see – uh, the Connaughton's and George Hill ownership also go up. So if they're going up, it means you have more salary to spend. Uh, but yeah, Giannis by a little bit, I think it should be bigger than that. I'm on the same page as you um, preferring Giannis to James Harden. Do you yeah. like the idea of a build without either of them?
2: That would have to be under the assumption that Bletso plays. Because yeah, if, if Bledsoe plays, it takes away production from... I mean, there, there are situations where it makes sense. Number one, uh, it looks like Westbrook's going to be limited, but let's say that it ends up being like, hey, he's, on, he's, on, he's going to play uh, 35 minutes as opposed to like 38 or whatever. And then we also get a situation where Bledsoe's in. That would change how I view both James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo and would drive their projections down a little bit. So if that's a situation, then there's less value because there's no Pat Connetson or George Hill's viable options. And then there's also just less production expected for Harden and Giannis. So in that situation, yes. But in general, not really. Like I, I think it, it's hard to imagine a slate like the other day where just yeah. both of them kind of sucked.
1: Yeah, I, I would be shocked to not like to not see one of those two guys in the winning lineup, especially because. They're going to have so much ownership that, like, by default, you're going to run in, like, most lineups are just going to have one of them either way. The the amount of lineups that don't have one of Giannis or Harden in any large field GPP is going to be a relatively minimal number, especially because it's almost impossible to play them both together. So right now we have 84% of the ownership added together for the two of them. I expect it to go up if Bledsoe ends up out, which means we're talking about, like, what. 10% or less of the lineups, even just with the ability to be under, you gotta have one of the two. So
2: the other thing too is I'll say that on FanDuel, I think it's nearly impossible with the pricing. It's maybe a yeah. little more viable on DraftKings just because the the pricing's a little, you know, flatter across the board and there's more options, there's more flexibility. I mean if you just look at Okay, round
0: two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club.
0: no by necessary 18 conditions website for details hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. coincidence I think not everybody's loving having fun with it Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba line.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Revoid. prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. How thin, the, like the, the the small forward options are on FanDuel, <laughs> and it's it's like I just don't know how you don't play like a bunch of Giannis. Like Giannis almost ended up on the optimal lineup uh, the other day. Scoring was like 42 FanDuel points just because bad. just because the small forward options were were just crap. Like there there was nobody else who scored fantasy points, which I kind of think is the case again if if we look at. Uh, let me bring up the small forward. Like, there's Giannis, there's Crowder, there's Gallinari. I mean, like, Eric Gordon's 6,000. That's really expensive for him. It, it's just yeah. so hard to Darian look
1: at. Derek getting 22% ownership right now.
2: Yeah, like, it's just so hard to look at the small forward options on FanDuel and say, like, who, who has a legitimate chance to score a lot of fantasy points tonight? It's yeah. Giannis, Gallinari. That's kind of it. Like Eric Gordon's okay, but 6,000 is really expensive. Jay Crowder is going to get minutes at 4,700. I don't think his ceiling's all that significant. And then you have Daniel House and Darius Baisley, who hey, I can't really envision either of them being reliable options to put up a big game, especially because House's playing time was so down last game with, oh no, actually he played 30 minutes, but it's still it's still down relative to him playing You know, 40 minutes when Westbrook was out a week ago. Yep. So it's it, it's hard to envision a scenario where Giannis doesn't end up on the optimal lineup on FanDuel.
1: Yeah. 95 percent total ownership between Harden and Giannis right now. That's about like as high as it could possibly get on a slate like this. There's always going to be, you know, the four percent of lineups that do something different or are dead already. You know, yeah, or, or, just, or just
2: dummy lineups that yeah, yeah. never get the players
1: put in. Uh, Any thoughts on Middleton right now had a hell of a shooting game. Well, had a hell of a shooting attempt game too. I mean, he shot, he he came to play uh, in the last one from a shot attempts perspective. He was involved. It didn't necessarily work out for Milwaukee. What do you want to do with Middleton now? 7,500 on FanDuel, 8,100 on DK. He's $29 on Yahoo.
2: Yeah. I mean, based on those prices, he's definitely the strongest play on Yahoo out of, out of the three sites. Um, As for FanDuel and DraftKings, like, unless Bledsoe's out, it's hard for me to pay up that much for Middleton on DraftKings. Uh, I think he's okay, but it's not a price tag that I look at as seeing any value in or really all that much, all that much upside unless he gets the usage bump with Bledsoe out. And even then it's, it's not really a great price tag because I just, I'd way rather find the extra space to get up to Harden and Giannis Mm -hmm. than roster Middleton Mm -hmm. on FanDuel. I think he's fine, but kind of more of a fringe type option, like just wouldn't be a priority play for me.
1: Yeah, I, I would be more likely to get to SGA or Schroeder, uh, Schroeder in particular. Um, and then, you know, you start working your way into like Conaton if Eric Bledsoe is out. Uh, I mean, I guess we need to touch on Brooke Lopez. He just sort of exists for me. His salary seems about right. He's, you know, 25 to 35% owned, depending on the site. He's $20 on Yahoo. I just... Like, I'd like to have about 30% of Brook Lopez. That seems like the correct amount. So here's the issue that I have with
2: kind of him and everybody else on the box is I keep waiting for Boone to play everybody more minutes. And I've been waiting for like three years now. It just doesn't happen. So I look at Brook Lopez, who was great last game, right? Yeah. Like he was, he was impacting shots underneath the basket. He was making threes from all over the place that really could use his floor spacing. And he played 27 minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm just looking at am like, Why? And so, on one point, I'm like, well, there's so much minutes outside for him. Like, eventually, isn't Budenholzer going to play more minutes? But then, on the other hand, it's like, how much longer am I going to wait for him to play guys more minutes? Like, how many times am I going to set up projections for the Bucs and just give them a boost, thinking like, hey, it's a pivotal playoff game. They're going to play extra minutes today. And then it never really happens. So, so I have this thing in the back of my head where it's like, like, Brooke Lopez should play 35 minutes today. Yeah. except it, except it just never happens so it, it's so hard for me to figure out what the minutes are because I, I think a lot of times when I'm kind of looking at minutes and what I think teams should do I'm kind of projecting what I think the team should do as if I was the coach of the team where I'd be like hey Giannis plays 40 minutes tonight because Giannis should play more more of the game because he's the MVP of the league and they need to win and it just it just doesn't happen enough so that's really my struggle with brook lopez is that i really want to play him and give him a lot of minutes because i think it's the right thing to do but i also don't trust that that is what budenholzer is going to end up doing
1: i don't get it i really really don't i don't i mean like look he played 36.6 minutes which is really big for Giannis. every other star in the league is playing 40 in that spot
2: yeah for sure uh, game game two of the playoffs is I, I just don't get like what Budenholzer is ever saving guys for. Um <laughs> they but they probably don't either. But but it's just kind of a reality of the situation. He did say in the post-game press conference that he was considering playing starters, extended minutes, and he was considering putting Giannis on Jimmy Butler. But it, that's that's still that's such flimsy statements. There's nothing th- there's nothing I'm gonna look at and be like, well, now I need Brook Lopez in 60% of my lineups. I think I'm with you where it's kind of like I'm gonna be with the field on Brooke Lopez because I think the upside's really there. But also, if he plays like 25 minutes, I, I can't be shocked by that because we've just seen it too many times. So I, I don't want my night to be made or broken based on how many minutes holder gives Brook Lopez.
1: So I'll just align myself with the field on him. This is going to be probably a really wild, well, not like wild take, but they shouldn't need Giannis to guard Jimmy Butler. So I mean. Here's the thing too is like it, there's such a big
2: deal being made about it, like in terms of oh is Giannis uh, should Giannis have been the defensive player of the year? Should he be the guy who guards one player? Defense, especially now, is such a team like a team endeavor. Yeah. And one of the reasons the Bucks have such a good a good defense is because Giannis is almost like a safety, yeah. right? Like he's almost like a free safety where he roams and he he could get in the passing lanes. He could help defend shots. And so you don't necessarily want to have Giannis guarding LeBron James, guarding Jimmy Butler every single at every single possession because that's not necessarily what his strength is. And the other thing too is I think he kind of risks foul trouble in that situation because it for an energy. For, for as great as Giannis is, that's the one thing that I think might always be an Achilles' heel for him is he could pick up a lot of fouls very quickly. So I think I think he could guard Jimmy Butler. It's something that. It, it's, it's definitely something he has the capability of doing. But the, the Bucs had the best defense in the NBA this year, and that's just not how they run their defense. Like, they're a team that switches a lot. They're a team that uses Giannis in kind of that free safety type role. So I don't necessarily, like you said, I don't think that he has to guard Jimmy Butler. And the other thing, too, is Jimmy Butler shot, like, 28% from beyond five feet this season. He hit, like, 100% of his jump shots last game. And that's, that's, that's not something we should expect from Jimmy Butler going forward. He's not a good shooter. And I wouldn't too overreact to what happened last game. And then leading into the heat side of the game, Jimmy Butler's a guy that I think is a little bit overpriced on this slate.
1: I agree. Uh, let's, let's transition over to Milwaukee, unless you have any, anything else. Like, I don't have any much in the Wes Matthews, Marvin Williams, Kyle Korver takes. No, not at all. Okay. And the, everything comes down to Eric Bledsoe playing or not playing. So uh, keep an eye on that, everybody. Miami side, though. Jimmy Baller is $9,000 on FanDuel, 8,300 on DK, 20% owned on FanDuel, 30% owned on DraftKings. He's $38. I assume I'll have none. <laughs> like, I know that sounds preposterous, but it's a low I'm, number. I'm good. I'm good. Like, uh, would, I mean, it, it comes down to this for me, just in the salary range. He's 8,300, Chris Paul is 8,200. Chris Middleton is 8,100. I would rather have the other two guys than Butler without question. So I wouldn't
2: go as aggressively as saying I, I want none of Jimmy Butler. Um, but, I mean, I, I said it in the lead into this that I think he's overpriced. And uh, amongst guys to pay up for, like you said, I, I think that he's the weakest option. There's a ton of other guys I'd rather get exposure to. Uh, I don't think I'd go 0% Jimmy Butler because, especially on two-game slates, I tend to make some game stacks just because in case one of them goes to overtime, that's – what the winning lineup is going to be every single time in that situation. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have some lineups that are game stacks that have Jimmy Butler, but I'm going to be underway to the field to him. And I'm definitely going to have way less of him than, than guys like Giannis, James Harden, uh, Chris Paul, for sure. Also there's just other guys that are higher on the pecking order for me than, than Jimmy Butler.
1: Comment in YouTube chat. And I want to address it. Have these guys even played basketball before your best defender should always guard the other team's best player. So one, I completely disagree with that when the other, when that player is also your best offensive player, there has to be some push and pull in this Two, being your best defender doesn't necessarily mean you're the best on ball defender. Those are two separate things. Giannis gains a lot of his defensive ability from help, uh, rim protection, not necessarily face guarding Jimmy Butler for 40 minutes. That is why you have guys like Wes Matthews on the floor. To guard someone in a defensive stance, you want Giannis to be the deterrent for Jimmy Butler trying to get to the rim, not necessarily like, look, is it the last possession in the game? Yeah. Give me Giannis's length on Jimmy Butler. I totally get it. You don't need him to guard him for 40 minutes. That's insane. Giannis will be dead if he tries to do that. Uh, so as for whether I played basketball, yes, but it was a very long time
2: ago. And, yeah. uh, it, it's also different. Like it's, it's not, it's not apples to apples because, like, when I played basketball, number one, the trial team I played, we played a 1-3-1 zone. But, but, beyond, but beyond that, um, like, when you're, like, when you're, like, high school age, like, yeah, you can just put your best player on the other team's best player. But it's totally different. It's totally different skill sets, right? Like, there, we didn't, like, there, there's no, like, traditional rim protector when you're playing in high school, right? No. Like, there's, like, there's there's no guy who's just standing around at the rim to block shots. There's nobody who's seven feet tall like Giannis that could, you know, disrupt passing lanes is going to alter shots all that significantly. So it's, it's, it's almost, even though it's basketball, it's a different sport, right? Like it's like we weren't, when you're younger and you're playing basketball, it's not the same, no. it's not the same sort of thing of what you're seeing here. And the, the strategies are different. Like in terms of who you want to put your best guy on the other team's best player, like Rudy Gobert, isn't going to guard Jimmy Butler. If the jazz play the exactly, if the jazz play the heat, like there's still, there still has to be some semblance of matchups and I do, th- I, I do think that Giannis, because of what happened last game, there probably are going to be some stretches where he guards Jimmy Butler, where he didn't otherwise do that. But, right. but, but like I said, the the strength of 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 the Bucks defense and Giannis is that he plays kind of like the Troy Polamalu role as a safety, where he's just roaming around, and he's making plays happen, and that that is why if you look at the the defensive ratings for teams this year. The Bucks were number one in the league in defensive efficiency. You don't look at one game where Jimmy Butler hit an unsustainable amount of jump shots and just say, Oh, the Bucks don't know what they're doing on defense. They have to totally change everything. The other thing too, Eric Bledsoe is a top 10 ish perimeter defender in the league. A lot changes if he's active that that brings a different dynamic to the team also. Yep.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we also have Uzi saying what a take. Gobert is a center. Look, if you think that Giannis is anything other than a center, you know, that's fine. He's a center. He just happens to have another center on the floor. This dude's seven feet tall with, like, a monstrous wingspan. He just happened to be able to dribble, too. <laughs> he's yeah, the most is. athletic person in the league. But <laughs> this dude has built, like, more centers than any. Like, how much bigger is Giannis than half of the centers in the league? Like, he's he's a center. He just doesn't have to play it on this team. He's, he's definitely stronger than a lot of them. In the in the grand scheme of things, you want Giannis to be your five. Yeah, so I, like, I, I think that
2: it's fine. If there's certain key possessions of the game, I don't mind putting Giannis on Jimmy Butler. I don't necessarily yeah. want, to, want it to happen all game. I do think for the end-of-game situations where it's like there's two minutes left on the clock, maybe in that situation, and we knew that, that the the are the trying to isolate Jimmy Butler, yeah, maybe in that situation, like sit, stick Giannis on, on Butler. But for the entire game, I don't necessarily think that's what they should do because – it's just what they didn't do all season. They have the best defense in the NBA. So, like, why are you trying to why are you trying to totally change how the best defense in the league you know runs their system?
1: Check the numbers when Lopez is off the floor. Their defense is not good. Yeah, I think Brooke Lopez had a really realistic shot at being the defensive player of the year this year. He's Incredible. And, I mean, look at the look at the Bucks numbers when
2: Giannis isn't on the floor. They give up seven point nine more points per hundred possessions. And that's, that's even without him usually guarding the other team's best player. It doesn't mean he doesn't do it. Uh, if you went back, because from a discussion I was with somebody on Twitter the other day, I went back and rewatched the fourth quarter of the Bucks-Lakers game at, from the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. And Giannis took LeBron in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. So it's not something he never does. It's just not something he does the entire the entire
1: game most of the time. And there's also a huge difference between guarding LeBron and guarding Jimmy Butler from a size perspective too. LeBron is way bigger than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, that is I mean you also you look at the 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 Bucks the Bucks
2: lineup and it's like who else is going to guard LeBron one-on-one exactly. other than other than Giannis but but still I mean we'll, we'll see what happens here and then um also Giannis got in foul trouble fairly early in that game which yeah. also could have had a little bit of an impact. Um, but but we'll see. Like I, I don't I don't like Jimmy Butler at his price tag, no matter what. And I would definitely like his price tag less if if we did think that Giannis is going to be guarding him one on one the entire game. Which I think is really the key sure. takeaway from a DFS standpoint is that uh, Jimmy Butler's generally overpriced anyway. He's not a good jump shooter who made a bunch of jump shots
1: last game. All right, we're on the same page there. How do you feel about Bam? 8K on FanDuel, 7,900 on DraftKings. He's 66 percent owned on FanDuel right now. I don't even think that's crazy because here's what I have as power forwards. Bam Adebayo, Robert Covington, Jeff Green, Nerlens, Noel, Marvin Williams. Yeah, so
2: here's the other thing too is um, Robert Covington took all of Jeff Green's minutes last game. Like It was something. Some, right? no, no, I think it's it's not weird because it's what should have happened all along. Like there's no point where Jeff Green should really be playing over Robert Covington. And that's kind of what happened last game. Like Covington played well and they just, left him in the game. And that's really what should happen. I mean, he's so much better than Jeff green. So sure. I, I think that, I think that maybe it goes back to, to where Jeff green plays like 25 minutes or something like that. But there's not really a situation where Jeff green and Covington share the court all that much. And any anytime that you're giving Jeff green extra minutes, it probably comes from Robert Covington. So I just look at these power forward options and like auto and Covington are the best options by such a wide margin on FanDuel. Yeah. So then I look at it and it's like, all right, who who else do I want to roster? Like, what's the other situation where I'm fitting guys into the lineup? And um, I think that maybe I'd set up a rule in in Cruncher where if you want to have some exposure to Jeff Green, just don't have him in lineups with Covington because mm-hmm. I don't I don't really think it's viable for both of them to play big minutes. And then, you know, maybe Nerland's Noel has has an okay fantasy game because Nurland's Noel is capable of putting up a bunch of fantasy points in a short amount of time. If we look mm-hmm. at his numbers for the regular season, he averaged uh, 19.24 FanDuel points coming off the bench in 17 minutes. So I don't think he's playing quite 17 minutes this game just because it's not what we've seen from him this series. But, I mean, if he plays, like, 15 minutes and scores 20 FanDuel points, that's within the realm of possibility, and maybe that's enough to get him onto the optimal lineup. Like, nobody's going to really roster New Noel, I
1: don't think. Uh, huh. I, we have him at 35% ownership. On All right, never on mind. mind. All right. Never mind. No, there, there aren't any other options. Uh, like there, to me it's, it's truly only five people. And you need to you need those five guys to add up to two hundred. <laughs>
2: All right. So just overweight to Bam Autobio and Robert Covington and like it, it's hard to it's hard to, to find a way to make some to play I don't even know how you play somebody who's contrarian. and there's a chance to having a decent game. Like I don't know where I don't know where you go. So overweight to Bam Autobio, overweight to Robert Covington on FanDuel, because I, I think it's I think that's just what the logical move is.
1: What else do you like from Miami? Does anybody else stand out to you right now? Um, anybody that you're trying to get to? Uh, let's see. Let's look at their
2: lineup. It, it's hard to totally ignore Goran, Goran Dragic, especially if Eric Bledsoe's out. Um, yeah. I think that he's okay. Um, there's really not a lot of great pricing here, and then there's also just mm-hmm. the situation that the Bucks, you know, were the number one defensive efficiency team in the league. Uh, it's got. I think Bam Adebayo just by positional scarcity on Fanduel. Jay Crowder by positional scarcity on FanDuel because there aren't very many small forward options. Uh, the minutes just haven't really been there for Duncan Robinson in the postseason. They've been giving more playing time to Iguodala. Uh Kendrick Nunn's in the rotation now that takes away minutes from other guys, but still he played 16 and 14 minutes the last couple of games. So that's not enough for me to consider him. It, it's hard to really like a lot of the Heat guys here. It's just, it's fairly spread out production in minutes.
1: Yeah. Other than Jay Crowder, I don't have much interest. I mean, it's Bam, Drogic, Crowder for me as like the three plays that I will have for Miami. I assume I end up with minimal Jimmy Butler, most likely zero, which is just not comfortable. But I like I can just tell that's the way that it's going to play out when I start running crunches. Um, I'd love to get to a little bit of Hero or Robinson. I don't really know how to prioritize either one of those guys. We need to talk about this particular piece. And I think it changes a little bit once the Bledsoe news gets confirmed. We're projecting Andre Igadala for 29% ownership on DraftKings right now. How does that happen?
2: Uh, when James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo are on the slate and there's zero value. And just that also there's the perception around Iguodala. With the Lucky
1: Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's
2: good in the playoffs or something. Like, I just think he would always washed. Right? Like, I, I, I don't I think... think he's he washes as a DFS player. Well, I think he's washed in real life too. Like, I just don't know what he provides anymore. Like, he's okay on, he's okay on defense, but he gives zero on offense. Like, I don't understand why there's this idea where it's like, Hey, we have to play him over Duncan Robinson now because it's a playoffs. Like Duncan Robinson's really good. And he actually led the NBA in defensive real plus minus for shooting guards. I I don't necessarily think that he's actually the best shooting guard defender in the league, but I think he's viable enough to the point where it's not, where there shouldn't be a situation where it's like, we can't have Duncan Robinson on the court for defense, which I kind of think is the case with how they're, with how they're running the rotation is they're like, Hey, we need to in there for, uh, for Duncan Robinson for defense, which Shouldn't be the case. Uh, Iguodala.
1: See what was it? He only played 18 minutes last game. Right. And we're talking about 18 minutes of a guy that has, I believe in the playoffs an 8% usage rate. Yeah. Jay Tucker. So he, he did, he did have a
2: 13.6% usage rating last game, but before that it was uh 6.4, three, 8.1, 5.7. So super low. And then he's just not a good permanent fantasy producer at all. Like in the regular season, 21 minutes per game, 15 DraftKings points. So let's say he gets those same 18 minutes he got last game. That's like 13 fantasy points at his current per minute average. Yeah. And I mean, sure, I guess he could go up from there, except I don't look at him at a 3,700 price tag and think that's good value. Right. Like, I think, I think like no. the best case scenario for me is he's around, around his, his salary. Actually, the real best case scenario for Andre Iguodala is every value play sucks, and Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden both go off, and it just doesn't matter who you roster for cheap. Like That's, that's the real best situation for Iguodala, is that there is no viable options, and it doesn't matter that he's viable because nobody else is either.
1: Relative to salary, I have Iguodala being a top-eight guy on DK 5% of the time. We have his ownership six times that. Just where I'm at right now, if that ownership maintains, I highly recommend having zero Andre Iguodala.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, he's not somebody I was even considering but okay. before we came on. I, I, I wasn't able to look at the ownership projections this morning because they weren't up yet, right. uh, which definitely changes things a little bit. But the zero interest I had in Andre Iguodala somehow goes down
1: now knowing, <laughs> that his, now knowing what his ownership is. Fair enough. Uh, any chance you get to Kendrick Nunn, who is now in the rotation again? No, I mean, it's, it's like
2: I said before, he's in the rotation, but he's still, he's behind Tyler Hero. He's behind uh, Goran Dragic in a big way. And he's still behind Iguodala. Actually, that's kind of why Iguodala's minutes, I think, went down a little bit last game is because they're trying to get Nunn some minutes. So even those just 10 minutes that Nunn plays, it's not enough to make him viable, but it takes away a couple minutes from Hero. It takes away a few minutes from Iguodala also, and it just makes other guys
1: less appealing. I'm with you. I don't have much interest. I don't I don't think the path the minutes are really there. Um they played along he played alongside Drogic for like 3 4 minutes total. Some, something in that neighborhood. I was looking at it or I didn't like actually add it up, but clear overlaps on popcorn machine. Um there's there's a limit to how much they could actually be on the floor together. They're they're just too small in a matchup against Milwaukee. Uh and if Eric Bledsoe ends up in it's even worse. Um given Bledsoe's length so, favorite play in this entire game, FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, Giannis, and then George Hill
2: if Bledsoe doesn't play. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying it's Giannis.
1: Okay. Um, FanDuel, from, but yeah, assuming Bledsoe is out, it's George Hill on both sides. I can't go a different direction. Uh, all this is relative to salary. Um, I do prefer paying up for Giannis. Uh, I think that Jay Crowder would be my... Like second favorite non-George Hill guy. Uh, it's it's just one of those days where look if you if you're someone that really let's like let's say you are really like, like I'm, I'm lock buttoning Giannis today. I, I feel like this happens a lot. I know I get it a lot because of the way that I uh, like tout people in my videos. If you like Giannis that much, you're going to have to like someone that much. That's like sub four K. It's not that I think that. Jay Crowder is gonna go out here and drop 60. These guys all have salaries it all has to be relative so you gotta like somebody I guess I like Jay Crowder
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's also a two game slate so that's kind of what happens right is there's a bunch of guys who it's it's kind of like fringe type options at least Crowder I think has a relatively high floor for cheap guys right like he's not gonna go like he's not gonna go out there and score zero fantasy points Andre Iguodala very well might score zero fantasy points that's not gonna happen with Jay Crowder.
1: No, if he does, uh, Boston fans will be like, "See, told you
2: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely definitely although I, don't they still like Jay Crowder or no do they not like Jay Crowder anymore?
1: He was good that first stint, and then he went off the rails, was bad and really bad in Cleveland, right and then not amazing but okay in Utah I think that's. I think I'm remembering this correctly. He's been on a lot of teams over the last few years. He hired Gun. All right, 497 people, 123 likes. That's not bad, but I think we could do better. So go ahead and hit that thumbs up. Uh, helps us out a ton. I did want to touch on one or two guys from a Yahoo perspective from that game. You know, George Hill is the flat minimum. Uh, it shouldn't take much for me to tell you guys to to play George Hill if Eric Bledsoe is out. Um, if we're looking at anybody else, Giannis at $56, probably my second favorite move accompanying uh the George Hill ownership who else do we have that stands out from that game yeah Tyler Hero is a little overpriced Middleton at $29 I don't hate but now I'm just naming every buck so that doesn't get all that helpful J Crowder 16 not a lot to punt with in that game that that makes it a little tricky I mean other than George, George Hill. Hill clearly yeah other than George Hill clearly uh, Pat Connaughton flat minimum. That's another one. Uh, I you're probably not going to get much ownership on Yahoo either. So keep an eye on those guys. I'm excited to talk about Yahoo now that they're the uh, presenting sponsor of this show. It's a great place to play. If I mean just in general, but if you're relatively new to DFS, this is a place where you can go and play for uh, lower management fees on each contest. They run no management fee contests just about every day uh, across every sport that you could be looking for. So today in particular, I'm pulling up their lobby right now. Uh, I think that no management fee contest already filled, but they got the 20 K bubble baller. Again, it's the only place you can become a baller. Uh, That is their top contest on the draft or on the, on the slate for today, $20 entry fee, Um, but management fees are lower than they are anywhere else in the industry. You're also going to find softer competition, which is certainly helpful. It's not 150 max contest either in the bubble ball or the most you can do is 30. A lot of their contests are 10 to 25. So you don't have to worry about running up against 150 lineups. You can play a little bit more constrained. You don't have to worry about uh, sharks just having thousands and thousands of permutations in those contests. The max amount of entries in the bubble baller is 1100. I think you're going to find yourself a better opportunity to build your bankroll. Use the promo code ASSIMO, get yourself up to $30 in YSRPs. That's Yahoo Sports Rewards Points, and become a baller. It's the only place you can do so. So go check out Yahoo Sports, the presenting sponsor, the NBA Strategy Show. Now it's time to talk the big one. Unless you have anything else for Bucks, he. No, I think we covered every individual player in that game. <laughs> We certainly did. Half to two gamer. Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder, five and a half point line, which is kind of wild. Um, game seven. And it, it's a monstrous one from like a narrative perspective. Oh, for sure. If, if Houston loses this game, Dantoni, gone. Daryl Morey, gone. Who knows what else happens after that? Twitter goes nuts. That's what I'm looking
2: forward to. Like it, other than other than like my own personal investment in the Thunder in this series, I want the Thunder to win just to see what people say on Twitter about Russell Westbrook.
1: See, I only I want the Rockets to win because I desperately want to see a Rockets Lakers series. I think the Lakers blow the doors off the Thunder. That I just don't think that they can compete in that series. Um, so I am cheering for Houston but there is going to be a full-fledged meltdown at 11 p.m. tonight or 12, whenever this game would end if the Houston Rockets lose. Because I don't know what they do. They're certainly bringing in a new coach. They're certainly bringing in a new general manager. I'm just curious who's on the team next year. What could you trade Russell Westbrook for at this point? John Wall. Well, here's the issue. I like – in the offseason, I thought Chris Paul,
2: it was reasonable to say Chris Paul is an untradable contract. Russell Westbrook has an untradable contract. And somehow they both got traded for each other. So I, I don't know. When Daryl Moore is involved, I guess I can't call anybody untradable because who knows what he's thinking, what he's going to do, right? Like he might pull But he
1: off. won't be involved. He'll be, he'll be, on, he'll be trading derivatives next, or something. He won't be in the NBA. That is true. He could be streaming poker
2: online or something yeah. <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Right. I mean, they did the Clint Capella move was totally out of left field. Nobody really expected that to happen at the time. So they could do something. Maybe they, maybe they rebuild, right. Maybe they trade James Harden. Maybe they totally blow it up. Who knows? Who who knows what happens if they lose here? I think from this game, what's really hard to figure out and like what the interesting angle here, how do you feel about Russell Westbrook?
1: i have i could not have less interest all right so from a projection standpoint
2: i agree and okay. i mean i'm just looking at it and i i say like his minutes are as far as we know his minutes are still restricted
1: i gave him 30 um, just for reference
2: um that that's about what i'm thinking also however he's also been on minutes restrictions before and played well and just stayed on the court so mm-hmm. everything logically tells me russell westbrook is a terrible play tonight um mm-hmm. I was, when I was writing my article, the the, the first thing in the building box article I read for also, I thought like Russell Westbrook has to be the guy that I write up as a fade play, but I couldn't do it. And I still have this gut feeling that Russell Westbrook is going to have a big game tonight. And it's hard for me to shake that feeling. And it's just totally a gut call. It's it's not based on anything else. And he, he might totally shit the bed and suck again, though. That, that would not be surprising. I don't think he's a hundred percent. I don't even think it's all that I, I don't think there's a good reason for them playing right now, other than just they think that it's you know it, it's a very high leverage spot, and they say we, we need Russell Westbrook out on the court because he's one of our best players. And Russell Westbrook did play very well for a stretch this season of like late December through January. He was he was incredible, and he's playing with a banged up quad, and we know he's not hundred percent because he still has a minutes restriction uh, apparently. But I still think there's a situation where if Russell Westbrook gets off to a good start, they just leave him in the game. I think there's a point where they just say it's game seven. What do we have to lose? If, if, he gets, if he gets hurt again and we lose, whatever. We're screwed not only for this year, we're screwed for the future anyway. So I think that there's a narrative here where it's just the minutes restriction goes out the window if he starts decently. He's underpriced on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, I, I get not wanting to play him, and I think that also totally makes sense, and it's impossible to project him well because there's no way we can give him full minutes. Uh, I, I think that there's an opportunity there where he's low ownership and has a good game for GPP.
1: Strammy says trade Harden to Orlando for Gordon and Fournier. Realize, <laughs> I mean Orlando would need to attach like 600 first round draft picks for those two to be the only two people in that trade. Oh if my least favorite invention in the entire basketball world is the trade machine
2: on ESPN oh, I, and that thing that thing that thing is going to overheat if if the Rockets <laughs> lose tonight.
1: Yeah. They better uh ESPN better re up with uh mm-hmm. AWS for that one because people are going to be losing their minds here's a question for you let's 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 say you're right and russell westbrook gets off to a hot start and you know becomes like a viable dfs play does that mean the rockets are winning i i don't even know like like (laughs) because he's he's he makes so
2: he makes so little sense right now and he was so terrible last game I, i have little doubt if westbrook sits last game the rockets win that game
1: it's possible is, like, like, that, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just don't know how compromised he is. Is 80% Russell Westbrook, just Austin rivers.
2: No, I, w- I wouldn't go that <laughs> low because, because Austin rivers has, has, has issues of his own, but sure. it's, it's more just that Russell Westbrook has the ability to not play well and still put up big fantasy numbers. He had a yeah. 37% usage rating last game. Yeah. It's, and there's just so much bias against him. I'm part of that bias. Like if, if you think for a second that if, if they lose, I'm not going to immediately go to Twitter to start making fun of them. Like, no, it's, it's not beneath me. That's absolutely what I want to do. Like I've, I've sa- I already have saved tweets. I'm already, I'm already prepared for the situation. I already have, I already have Westbrook jokes in my back pocket if they lose today. And I, I want to be in on making fun of him. But I also just think that. like what's now I have it up. What's the projected ownership for Russell Westbrook tonight?
1: 19 on DK 34 on FanDuel.
2: God, I really, I, thought, I was really hoping it was going to be lower than that.
1: <laughs> Thirty-four
2: on Fanduel. I mean, I guess it's two-game slate where there just aren't that many options. He was so much lower owned than that on Monday, though, so maybe that won't end up being the case. Especially if George Hill ends up ends up starting, because then that's going to take up a lot of the 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 point guard ownership.
1: Yeah, George Hill's at twenty-eight percent on Fanduel. That number will be like seventy if when if and when Eric Bledsoe gets ruled out. Oh, speaking of that, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off here. Uh, I wanted to mention this before and I didn't. Um, prepare two sets of lineups, one with Eric Bledsoe in, one with him out. We have no idea when that news comes in. So if you're crunching, just do a little, little bit of additional prep work. Have a crunch ready with Eric Bledsoe in. Have one ready with him out so you don't have to scramble.
2: Yeah, no, I like that. And that's something I do all the time also, especially because I'm doing multiple things a lot of times during lock. Sometimes I'm covering news for DraftKings. Sometimes I'm doing a live show. And especially on a two-game slate, like it's not that hard to prepare for because – right right like it's it's not that it's, it's only one scenario right like yeah. it's either Bledsoe's in or Bledsoe's out so it's it's a very easy thing to set up for and I agree that's
1: that's a good call to be prepared okay uh, I wanted to make sure I wanted to say that before then you know we just got going I totally forgot about it I want to make sure that got out there uh ah. all right so who wins this game let's just start there lines five and a half
2: it's it's hard. I mean, I'm already invested in the Thunder, so it's hard for me to not say the Thunder. I mean, Understood. all the logic is still. I mean, the, the Rockets are favored; they're more likely to win this game than lose. But I, I just think the Thunder are a better team. Like, I think I think the Rockets have better players. The the Thunder function better as a team, as a whole. Especially if you look at uh, the the crunch time stats this year of every team yeah. in the playoffs, the the Thunder are number one in in crunch time offensive efficiency this year. Uh, Chris Paul has more points in the crunch in, in, in clutch time than any other player in the league this season. So I understand a lot of people looking at, and this this was a, a conversation I had with Luffy the other day where he was like, what do, like, what, what do the Thunder do in crunch time? Who do they go to? And I had done a college paper on, uh, on clutch offense in the NBA like many years ago. And this was before there was as much data available and I noticed one thing, which is almost every year, whatever team Chris Paul was on had one of the best clutch offenses in the NBA and the teams that were towards the bottom at the time, it was like the Lakers because they'd come run. They ran a lot of isolation and that's just not an efficient way to run an offense is those, those ISOs where you play hero ball. And Chris Paul is just so good at managing a game. He can, and plus he could get his own shots, but he's so good at running the pick and roll and just moving the ball and operating an actual offense that his teams just always play well in the clutch because they're running actual sets. This isn't a team that's just like, Hey, we're going to hold the ball for 20 seconds and take a terrible long jump shot. So, I I mean, I think the thunder are much better prepared for the playoffs than most people realize. Um, So I still like being logical. I still have to say the rockets are more likely to win. I think the five and a half points is too wide
1: though. Okay. It's going to be fun to watch, man. Either way. Uh, Let's talk about the rest of Houston. Houston. Covington. I'm just going to bucket everybody now and just throw it to you. Covington, Gordon, Tucker, House, Green. Those you know, like Houston's not doing anything interesting. They're going to play like seven and a half guys today. Um we we know what we're getting here. Who do you like the most? Who do you like the least? Uh, Covington at 43% ownership on draftkings and then it's it doesn't even matter whose name's attached to this. 14, 18, 9 and 8. That's across draftkings.
2: I just don't like any of those role players. Like, if I had to roster one of the non-Covington, uh, like role players, it would be PJ Tucker, just because I'm I have the most confidence in his minutes. Yep. So I think that he's viable. It, like, I can't trust Jeff Green. Jeff Green played 17 minutes last game, right? Like Covington. If Covington's going to play big minutes, then Jeff Green just isn't going to play. The situation where Jeff Green plays bigger minutes is if Covington gets into early foul trouble. If that's not the case, then Jeff Green, I think, plays sub 20 minutes. He's not a particularly good per minute fantasy producer. And I just assume that he duds again, like he did last game. Uh, Daniel house is, I guess, okay, but he's overpriced and he plays a lot less minutes and his usage was only 13% last game. So the more Westbrook plays, the less minutes Daniel house gets and the less usage house gets when he's actually on the court. Uh, Westbrook coming back impacts Eric Gordon in a big way. So the only guy I really like there is Covington. He's massively owned. But on FanDuel, you kind of have no choice but to play Covington.
1: Yeah, I don't have I don't have much issue whatsoever with that Covington ownership. Um, we have him at 43% on DK. I think he's a top eight guy 50% of the time. We have him 61% owned on FanDuel. I'm still north of that number. A top two play at his position 71% of the time. So uh, he's... He's good. Well, I don't want to say that he's good, Chuck, because it's terrifying. It's fully understood, Chuck. And then it just gets real gross. Like, sift it. It's probably the most important decision in a lineup getting the Gordon Tucker house. I'll include Jeff Green for this example piece correct. If one of those guys separates, it's going to be a guy you need on a two gamer. I don't even know how you begin to figure out like who it's going to be. It's fully down to the whims of this game. I I, I, I like you would lean PJ Tucker in this scenario. That is, I mean, we're talking about a guy that in my baseline projections is a 0.62 fantasy point per minute guy. He's 0.58 over the last 30 days. I have him in for a 9% usage rate. It's just gross. It's totally, totally gross. And yet, I'll have more PJ Tucker than any of the guys on this team, other than Robert Covington. Yeah, he's a he's a
2: cardio player, right? Like he that's that's what I call I call those guys who are just really low-permitted fantasy producer players that play a bunch of minutes. They're just cardio guys, right? They just run back and forth across the court and occasionally pick up counting stats. It's like oh, a rebound here, maybe creates a steal there, an assist here because he just happens to pass the ball to James Harden who makes a crazy shot. Uh, but if PJ Tucker, it's not ridiculous to think he plays like forty minutes right? So, I mean, 40 minutes, maybe he picks up, picks up like 25 fantasy points and
1: is a decent play. Yeah. I have a meeting 30 for you to be like, oh, he's 100% in this top lineup. That, that's just nuts. That's a half for Harden and Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to touch on from Houston?
2: Uh, no, just on the on the Russell Westbrook thing. If, if his... Ownership ends up being really low. I think he's worth getting some exposure to. If he actually ends up being like thirty-five percent on Fanduel, then then screw it, doesn't matter anyway. I, I just kind of assumed that he was going to be a really contrarian option, and I still think that's going to be the case. But we'll have to see how that actually shakes out. Um, I, I just I wouldn't play zero Russell Westbrook. Like, if you're playing multiple lineups, I at least have one Russell Westbrook lineup in case he plays normal minutes. I'm
1: gonna have zero. Okay, that's 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 fair. Also, I'll I'll pay for this one. I'll pay for this one in the long run Uh, on Yahoo. P.J. Tucker, eleven dollars. I like that quite a bit, given what else exists at center. Um, Covington, twenty six dollars. It doesn't feel great, but probably the second best play coming out of this game. Harden at fifty six is a lot. Thirty nine for Russell Westbrook. uh, Just given the way that Yahoo's makeup is, um, that one's going to be really tough for me. And then we go to Oklahoma City. I put Chris Paul in for forty minutes. We have him at fifty percent ownership on Fanduel. Thirty. Here's the thing: everybody's getting like the same ownership on DraftKings for Oklahoma City. Paul thirty-five, SGA thirty-seven, Shooter and Adams mid twenties, Gallo forty, Nerlens Noel thirty at thirty-two hundred. I, I get why that's happening. That number comes down again based on the Eric Bledsoe news, but it's. It's almost as if like like it's impossible for anybody to just separate from the pack for Oklahoma city. Does anybody separate for you? Yeah. Chris Paul. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, you just
2: look at Chris Paul and how well he played in the second half of that game where it just kind of seemed like he was doing everything. He's also somebody who the 40 minutes, like he could maybe play beyond that. So we'll see what happens there. But if you just say that Chris Paul, SGA, Dennis Schroeder, like Gallinari, all these guys are going to be around the same ownership. Like, it's just hard for me to not say that Chris Paul is the the most reliable play with the highest floor and the highest ceiling of anybody there. Like, I mean, you look at like SGA and Dennis Schroeder, they both have upside, but I find it really hard to project like on a day-to-day basis, which one of them is going to be better. Like sometimes it's Schroeder, sometimes it's SGA. Chris Paul is the constant. He's the one guy who I think is going to be good – more often than not, and put up a big game almost every single time
1: in, in this situation for the Thunder. You know, want to know who I like the most relative to ownership in this Oklahoma City side? Uh, can I guess? Sure. Steven Adams. Darius Baisley. Okay. 3,900 on DK, 3,600 on FanDuel. Um, not picking up any ownership. 20% on FanDuel, 13 on DraftKings. If Eric Bledsoe gets ruled out, it's not like Darius Bazley is going to become a higher owned value play in this scenario. He played 22 minutes in the last game, 26, the game before that, I projected him for 23. It does make me a little nervous just because it's a game seven. If they start getting like really pinchy with the, the minutes, but at this point there's not a lot at the bottom and he's not like a vacuum of talent on offense 0.94 fantasy points per minute. Over the last 30 days, that's the second highest rate on the Thunder.
2: So here's the issue I have with, with Baisley. If Dort doesn't pick up three fouls, two minutes into the last game against the Rockets, which by the way, he's guarding James Harden again off, off the jump. So very well might happen. How many minutes does Baisley play last game? if, If Dort doesn't immediately pick
1: up three fouls, that is a very good question, but here's, here's what's tricky. So Dort comes out a little early. In the first quarter relative to the rest of that rotation Baisley comes in and plays from the end of the first quarter through most of the second quarter. Do you think they're playing Dort that entire time or is he playing a, a more normal rotation of beginning of the first end of the second? Uh, yes. And here are two reasons why.
2: Number one, there's the perception that he's the hardened stopper. And whether that's true or not is almost besides the point. He's playing those minutes anyway, as long as he's not in foul trouble. The other thing, too, is he hit shots in the second half last game. And the reason you don't have him on the court is because his offense sucks. And the fact that he actually hit shots last game, I think, gives him a little bit longer of a leash. The other thing, too, is look at the other game where he started, what was it, like 0 of 9 shooting, and they left him out on the court anyway. Yeah. Like I, I think that they really want Dort out there guarding Harden, and as long as he isn't just in immediate foul trouble, I, I think that is how Billy Donovan's going to run his rotation.
1: Darius Baisley plus three in the nine minute and forty eight second stint he put in in the second quarter. Um, I am very very curious to see how that goes. So uh, let, let's talk about that then. Uh, expectations for Dort's minutes. Expectations for Baisley's minutes. Uh, it's so
2: it's so hard because here's what's really tough about it is even though I look at the last game and go, well, what happens if Dwart doesn't get in foul trouble? Uh, it, I, it's hard to see him being the guy who guards Harden and doesn't get in foul trouble at the same time also, because he got in foul trouble more often than not this series. So it, it's, that's what makes it really hard for me. Um, I'm still going to say that Dwart plays like over 30 minutes and basically plays under 20 though.
1: Okay. That's so that's extreme. So, Based on that, do you like Dort today?
2: So like is relative (laughs) because no, no, I don't like him, but I'm willing to roster him. And even if you look at him last game, he wasn't terrible for fantasy. He he certainly wasn't good, but for a two game slate to play 20 minutes and score 20 fantasy points. So the other thing too, is look at what happened earlier in the series where he didn't get in foul trouble, right? Uh, Game two or game uh, game three, He played 36 minutes. Game four, he played 35 minutes. So if he doesn't get into foul trouble, he's going to play a ton. You know what's also really crazy about Dort?
1: Did you see what his usage rating was the last two games? It's like 20. No, it's over 30. Oh, is it real? Okay. I mean, I knew where it was like coming out as an average. Uh, I didn't. uh, Probably clearly some extremes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, he's getting. Getting a lot of shot attempts because no because one guards him. It, it, they leave him. So they leave him wide open. And they just dare
2: him to shoot. And the, Dort can't really make shots, which no. is, is, is definitely a little bit of a concern for, for him. But if he's going to have a 30% usage rate, he's still a professional NBA player. He's mm-hmm. going to make some of those shots. I, I don't know. There's a lot that kind of lines up here where it's like Dort kind of looks like he could be an okay value play. So when I look at these guys who... Don't really have that much ownership. Like you, like Baisley. I prefer Dort. I prefer I prefer Dort certainly to like Andre Iguodala, who people are rostering. Uh, What's the What's the projected ownership for Dort right now? Thirteen. And yeah, that's that's a good number to me. Hmm. A a guy who could potentially play over thirty minutes, and that's not even a ridiculous call. He's played thirty five minutes twice in this series, and he's had usage rating over thirty percent in the last two games. Like you, just take those bits of information. And I'm talking more and more myself into Dort now as a play. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to look at the lack of value options on the slate and not gravitate towards Dort.
1: If Dort plays big minutes, do you just assume the Thunder are playing really well? Um, I don't know. I don't know
2: if there's a correlation there. I think because because Dort could, Dort could be on the court for a ton of minutes and miss a bunch of shots and – they're just kind of getting their teeth
1: kicked in. That's what I mean. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what it means. If Dort plays 30 minutes, my assumption is that the thunder are winning because he's still out there. Otherwise it's either that, or he's 0 for nine. <laughs> so it's, it's craziness. Oh, so God, what game, a weird dude game two,
2: they lost by 13 and the game was not really particularly competitive. And he still played 26 minutes with five fouls. So I don't necessarily even think it means that if Dort, if they're losing, they're not willing to play Dort. Like I still think that he could be out there. Um, I, I really think Dort's playing time entirely comes down to whether he gets into foul trouble or not.
1: I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, he's certainly going to use his fouls. Um, yes. I don't think that is up for debate. I'm nervous about this one. Uh, I, I want to take a really close look at Baisley. I want to hit uh, hit up a couple other people and see what their thoughts are for his minutes. I gave him 23. Um, I think he probably looks like a, a solid value even at 20, 21, 22, just because he's not a total vacuum from a per minute guy. Um, my my, mo- my biggest appeal is just simply that he's sub 4K and uh, 13% owned. I, I think that is at, le- at the very least... A, a guy that isn't 30% owned Nerland's Noel? Like, would you rather have Nerland's Noel or Baisley? Mm, Noel uh, 30% probably, ownership, Baisley at 13. Probably Noel just because he's a better permanent fantasy
2: producer. Here's here's the issue. So the two games where Dort played big minutes, Baisley played 13 minutes in both of those. So if I'm going to assume that Dort plays bigger minutes, which I do kind of think that's the case, then Baisley just doesn't get those minutes and if he's playing about the same minutes as Noel, Noel is cheaper plays it uh, is is cheaper and the, the permanent fantasy production is not similar right like if if Noel if Noel and Baisley both play 18
1: minutes Noel's Noel's scoring more fantasy points more often than not. Darius Baisley's last 30 days 0.94 Maryland's Noel 0.81 yeah
2: except a lot of Baisley's minutes have come in blowouts and in garbage time. Like, like look at some of those games at the end of the regular season he played he played against the Suns he started and played 35 minutes they lost by 27 points and he scored 45 fantasy points so th- those numbers are a little skewed in my opinion I-, I do think there's situations where he has played well and I mean he scored 30 fantasy points two games ago against the Rockets yeah. um, so it's not out of the rum possibility but I-, I don't think I like Baisley as much as as much as you do. Um, I- I'll say this at least. If, if I'm making lineups, I'm going into Crunch and I'm saying don't put Dort and Daisy to the same lineup.
1: I think that's a, a very fair assessment because I think their their minutes are fully tied to each other. Um and I don't like I don't think they're like Dort being 4K makes it really tough to like if they were both 3,300, then I don't care all that much. But with them both being essentially 4K, it's a little tough. Um does SGA show up? Uh, it's hard to say
2: because he's not been good the last couple of games and I, I, he's also somebody who I kind of view as being negatively correlated with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. So Schroeder's played well the last couple of games. That means, you know, less, less production for, for SGA. SGA has also gotten into some foul trouble the last couple of games, four fouls in each of those games. Um, it, it's just hard for me to envision a game where Chris Paul has the ball in his hands a ton and has an inflated usage rating and SGA still does well. So I, I think that SGA is viable, but he's, he's not a priority.
1: I'm with you there. Uh, I don't mind him. I'll have a little bit. Uh, he's my least favorite of the three guards uh, shooter being number one at 6,400. I gave him 36 minutes. I gave uh, Chris Paul and SGA both 40 I like Adams. Uh, I don't know what to do with him half the time. Um, this Just this whole team is all like, I think they might be a top eight guy 30% of the time. And it's a scattering. Like nobody just crazily stands out to me. But I have to have this game. Although, you know, 106.25 implied total. We saw last night in a game seven. Uh, didn't exactly become an offensive shootout. I don't know if that has anything to do with it being a game seven or not. Let's just sum this one up, I guess. Favorite plays on Houston, favorite plays on OKC, either side is fine.
2: All right. So the more I talk about Lugans Dort, I'm talking him more and more into being one of my favorite value plays on the slate. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say my favorite play from OKC is Dort. From Houston, right. it's Covington. And it's it's just, especially on FanDuel, it's just a, a total lack of options at power forward.
1: Yeah. Covington for me on FanDuel and DraftKings as well from Houston, he should be one of the first things you put into a cash lineup. I don't think there's really any way around it. Uh, I think we both mentioned earlier, we prefer Giannis to James Harden. And then on uh, for Oklahoma City, give me Chris Paul on FanDuel. Give me Dennis Schroeder on DraftKings. And give yourselves a little bit of free content. Today, because we have that, I want to make sure I let you guys know before we get out of here. For the five hundred and seventy-four of you, oh, okay, yeah, I haven't done this either. One hundred and sixty-five likes, five hundred and seventy-four people. Hit that thumbs up; it helps us out a ton. We got MLB strategy coming up after this. Dual live before locks. PGA live before lock. Even though lock is Friday this week, Um, Ben Raza and Jason Roslin will be on tonight at eight thirty. So hit that thumbs up. We we need to get over two hundred because. We're giving away stuff today. NBA ownership rankings are free today. NHL projections, MLB ownership, PGA rankings. All four of those pieces of content are free at Osmo.com. Again, NBA ownership rankings, NHL projections, MLB ownership, PGA rankings. You can get each piece of that for free. I see the likes climb in 194. I'm not going anywhere until that refreshes to a two at the beginning. So, Who wants to be the winner here? Who hits it? Could be me. I'll go. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to pull the phone out. 198. We're close. We're close. Does PJ Tucker get over 28 fantasy points today? That's the question in chat. I hope so because I'm probably going to have more than the field. There it is. 203. Um.
2: So 28. That's one. That's that's a very uh, obscure number to pick out. I'm going to say probably not. But if you roster PJ Tucker, I don't even necessarily think you need to have a massive ceiling game from him on a two game slate. Like, especially if George Hill doesn't end up becoming viable. If Eric Bledsoe plays like, I think just the floor of, of PJ Tucker, like where if you get 22, 23 fantasy points out of him, that that might be enough on a slate with Giannis on a slate with James Harden, where we just like star for value.
1: It is going to be a fun slate. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Um, and by us, I mean, you know, at Osimo underscore com. Uh, we will be tweeting out news if and when Eric Bledsoe is in or out. Join us. Come Go to Osamo.com slash join. Get yourself in premium Slack so that you can get those sorts of updates the moment they happen. You can follow uh, El Negro Loco's news blog which is going to have that information immediately. Somehow he posts tweets in our Slack before the tweet comes out. I don't know how he does it. (laughs) It's like he has access to people's drafts. Um you definitely want to check that out. Greg, anything else you want to hit on? Anything else you want to plug? Uh man floating uh
2: with balloons on on YouTube coming up. David David Blaine. All right, we're gonna be we're gonna be paying attention to that because that's 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 what Josh and I are going to talk about as soon as we wrap up the show.
1: Yeah, pay close attention. David Blaine's going to try to float holding on to balloons, which means you could probably watch someone uh, perish on YouTube today. You <laughs> like, You shouldn't like it, but maybe you'll do, like, card tricks to birds and stuff as he's floating by. Who knows? Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for hitting the like button. Thank you for being here. Best of luck tonight. It's going to be a good two games, guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Adios.